Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I am Tony Serino alongside Christopher Carter, and this is your daily dose of all things Steelers. Today on the show, Chris and I are talking about the biggest questions going into the Steelers OTA practices. Those start next week on Tuesday and run all the way through the month of June. So Chris and I are going to talk about the biggest questions we have about this Steelers team going into OTAs. Welcome to the show. You can find more of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the new Himalaya app, wherever you find podcasts. Search Locked On Steelers. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure to get your daily dose. You can follow us on Twitter at LO Steelers. You can find us on Facebook. Search Locked On Steelers. Hit the like button there. Make sure you also join the Facebook group. You can also find us on Instagram at Locked On Steelers. All right. Happy Friday out there. And Chris, happy Friday to you. How's your week been? been great man you know just doing the grind enjoying the off season but still cranking out that content how has your week been tony been pretty good been pretty good hopefully hopefully everyone's enjoyed our week of podcast we're going to finish up this week with our biggest questions going into otas which start on tuesday of next week but before we do that let's start today with some news and notes cornerback patrick peterson of the arizona cardinals suspended for six games this year, there had been a lot of reports about Patrick Peterson being traded both before the trade deadline during the regular season and then uh, before the draft. Neither of those came true, and now he has been suspended for six games under the PED policy. Uh, Chris, this, not a good look for Patrick Peterson, who a lot of Steeler fans were hoping could be that that savior at cornerback in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, this was the guy that was that people people across, and not just for the Steelers. I mean, every, every team that needed. Uh, a star cornerback, which is pretty much every team. Yeah. Um, you know they they were they were excited at the prospect of getting a guy that um, many people theorized could be well. You know many people have admired for years, and many people theorized he could plug and play anywhere. Um, and, and I don't think that's a bad. I mean, he is a great athlete. He's always been uh, an exciting player to watch. Um, he's just been on a, an, a, it with with an organization that just hasn't you know really put much talent there. Um, but you know, with Patrick Peterson and this situation, you know, this, this goes to suggest, I think everyone knew that this was coming along and why no one was really trying to trade for him. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, you, you mean, you also, you look at his, at his, at his contract, uh, you know, he, he's costing the the Cardinals around like, I think 11 million, 11.8 million in cap space. Yep. And, uh, about 10.6 of that would get, would get moved, uh, if he, if you were traded, so, um, you know, and maybe that that blow is lessened because of the uh, because of the suspension and everything. But, uh, you know, that that's a lot of money to move to get a, to get a superstar. And um, in, in, you know, this is one of those things that sometimes, you know, we won't hear about it, but teams might know rumblings about it. So why no one did it? But my, my big thing is that Steelers fans really wanted a move like this to happen. The Steelers didn't do it um, and they still shouldn't shouldn't. Uh, some people are saying, well, now you can get him for really cheap. No, they don't have the cap <laughs> no, space. No, 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 no. Yeah, now yeah. It's, it's over. It's over now. Yeah, that, 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 ship's, that ship's gone. But at the same time, you know, had the Steelers done this, this Tony, man, this town would be on fire. It would have been a really bad, yeah, it would have been a bad situation in Pittsburgh because, you know, he, he would have been right alongside Joe Hayden. And you have mm-hmm. to imagine there would be no Steven Nelson in that yeah. case. And, yep. boy, yeah, where would the Steelers be today at cornerback if they didn't have a Steven Nelson and, you know, had a suspended Patrick Peterson? For the first six games, that will be Artie Burns. Yeah, Artie Burns or, or Justin Lane coming in and having to start right away. Yep. Um, the other the other thing I a question I have for you, Chris, are, are you worried at all that Patrick Peterson is suspended because this kind of puts your boy on an island out there in Arizona? I'm talking, of course, 
about <laughs> Byron Byron Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, my man what? Byron Murphy is ready to take on all comers. You know, I'm just saying, he, in, in, you know, out in Cleveland, you know, Greedy Williams doesn't have a lot of pressure out there. He's a number two corner. Denzel Ward already an established guy out there. Uh, Arizona is going to be counting now on your boy. <laughs> hey, that, that that's fine. That's fine. They can count on Byron Murphy all they want. He's going to rise to the occasion and show why he should have been the number one cornerback taken off the board instead of DeAndre Baker and show why I was right to say he was better than Greedy Williams all spring. All right. Very confident. Very confident. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We also have a listener question. Uh, if you want to write in, LockedOnSteelers at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at LOSteelers. You can also join the Facebook group, ask that question there. Andrew wrote in on Twitter, said, Do you guys think Ben did what he did at the lake house? He took out uh, some of the players on a boat trip. Because it took uh, because it took someone to point out his flaws for him to react to that and turn his attitude around. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday, Chris, but how much of what Ben's been doing over the last couple of days, hanging out with teammates and taking them out, is a direct response to Antonio Brown and some of the criticism he got from former players this offseason? You know, I, I said this in the response on Twitter, and thanks for the question, uh, but uh, none, none of the lake house is because of this but ben has his activities with his players that he always does he's taking he's always taking the linemen out to dinners uh and, and this lake house thing this is this is nothing new he's done this with his playmakers before um in fact if if uh, you go searching it up on twitter someone resurfaced the video of when he took Le'Veon bell and antonio brown on his boat along with other players in 2015 yeah think even uh, martavis um, bryant was on that boat yeah. exactly um yeah. uh, somebody like you know he's he's done he's done this for years um, but I do think that Ben Roethlisberger is going to be pulling out all the stops um, to to cut down on. I mean, like we've we've talked about this before. He listens to what's being said, so I think that he very much is going to be taking out a lot of the things that he, that he's been poked at with uh, when it comes to the attention in the media. I think I think he's going to be a little bit more careful with what he says on the radio show, um, you know, or any radio or any interview or anything. I think he's going to be kind of just straight up and down and Ben, ben just usually doesn't let too much out after games um unless he's unless he's upset about something and then he'll he'll do that you gotta but talk I, to todd you gotta talk to todd that was my yeah, favorite yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah 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 but let me but i think you're gonna see a lot more him just kind of just you know giving the generic answers and not opening up those chances for people to poke into his uh his persona because right now he's just i think i think he recognized one one Ben has nothing to worry about. He's got all the money he needs. He just got another super contract. Um, you know, he, he's happy, and the Steelers have committed to him and shown him how much they value him. So uh, th this is this this is the chance for him to continue to say, "Hey, this is my team. I'm going to be the guy here, and I'm going to at least bring all the guys in so we can all bond and move forward." I, I don't think this is in any way. You know, some people are saying, "Oh, <laughs> he did this to." Spite AB, no, he, he does this anyways. This is just how Ben Roethlisberger is. Uh, and these are the sides of Ben Roethlisberger you don't get to see because this, he's a very private individual. Um, and and he's, he said that's why he, he doesn't run that Twitter page that is associated with him. Um, so, yeah, uh, this isn't a big deal. Um, this is just more so this is what he does, and it's just getting out there more because Juju and everyone else loves to take videos. Are, are you blocked by his Twitter account? Because I got blocked. I am by blocked. Him. You are blocked? blocked? Yeah. It's like a rite of passage, I think, in, in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. If you're not blocked by Ben's social media account, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I I think the only people that aren't blocked are like Mark Madden. Um, I think Bob Pompiani isn't blocked, but like a lot of people. Like, and, 
And, and what's crazy is, is like people are like, I love Bannon. I don't know why I'm blocked. I, I think I think literally the, the the woman who he said a woman runs this account and he said she's a lovely lady. But if you cross her, she gives you one strike and that's it. And I feel like, you know, if I feel like if, if any fan has ever said Ben Roethlisberger threw an interception, she will block you and that's it. And there's no coming back from it. So yeah, there is. Yeah, there is no coming back. I don't even, I don't even think I've ever tweeted at Ben at all. Um, obviously, I forgot he had a page. I forgot there was even a page dedicated to him. I've never done, and that's the thing is like I, I'm not sure what was taken from that because because I, I think I think the only things I've ever even tweeted about Ben Roethlisberger are just like you know oh he did this today he did this today you know gener- generic stat things or what he needs to do well what he's do better what he's done what he does great uh, you know but never anything like inflammatory like I don't comment on Ben's you know uh, like you know his, his, the cases the you know, the Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. accusations and stuff i don't bring that up so you know you know but hey i, I think a lot of people and if you're a, if you're a fan listen to this right now let us know are you blocked by ben roethlisberger's twitter we yeah. have a club you probably are and you just don't know it i didn't realize it until i saw his one of his tweets got quoted and it said you know not available and mm-hmm. i thought what is this and i had to go to you know you have to go into um uh, like incognito mode, basically, in order to read tweets from someone you're blocked by. And so, yep. uh, yeah, that's when I realized, like, oh, Ben blocked me. I wish Twitter had a way to let you know when, right? I would love to yeah. know when, like, what podcast did I, did they, did they hear or what tweet did I send out that, that made them block me? Um, I'd love to know, but unfortunately, I just had to, there's no, there's no date, uh, date time on that one. Hey, before we continue, want to let you guys know about BlueChew.com. They bring you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready when an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online. It ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor visit. There's no waiting in the pharmacy. And best of all, there's no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships directly, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we got a special deal for listeners of Locked On Steelers. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And then let's move into our biggest questions going into OTA. So OTAs are interesting. They start on Tuesday of next week. This is, again, practice in in T-shirt and shorts. This is not a padded. These are no padded drills. Um, This is going to be 7-on-7s, 11-on-11s, and then 9-on-7s. These, again, start on Tuesday of next week. They run all the way through June 6th. It's going to be pretty much three-day chunks here, Tuesday through Thursday next week, Tuesday through Thursday the week following, and then uh, Monday through Thursday that, that last week. Uh, and those are the 10 OTA practice mini camp will start the following week. So, Chris, what's one of your biggest questions going into OTAs? All right. Tony. Yep. Who wins the Rudolph versus Dobbs battle in OTAs and 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 gets the second team spot during training camp? Yeah, th- this is a this is a great question going into OTAs. And this is going to be something that um yeah, I think it's going to play itself out throughout OTAs and, and into into mini camp and then into training camp, but it's got it's got to be Mason Rudolph. If this team, you know, this team invested a third-round pick in a player that they thought was a first-round talent. If that's true, he has to be able to beat out Josh Dobbs in his second year. Now, 
Yeah, the Steelers are no longer relying on Mason Rudolph to be the answer at quarterback because they just signed Ben Roethlisberger to that extension. And Mason Rudolph's contract is going to end the same year that Ben Roethlisberger's extension is going to end. So if we get to the end of the contract and Mason Rudolph didn't work out and Ben's going to retire, the Steelers just go back to the well in the draft. So this isn't as 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 much of a need as it was maybe a year ago when Ben was taking it year to year and we didn't know when he was going to retire. But it has to be Mason Rudolph. He looked very bad. At the beginning of camp last year, but also so did Josh Dobbs. Um, but, you know, he showed some growth throughout camp. That needs to continue. Now, he's one of the players I'm most excited to see as we get into training camp uh, and how he's developed year over year and then we as we get into preseason as well. What, what do you think? Who do you think is going to win that battle? I think it's still going to be Dobbs. I think that he's okay. going to – I think he's going to – he ran the number two team last year. I think if Dobbs is going to lose it, it's going to be during the preseason and you're going to – and it's going to be because Mason Rudolph – um, takes a major step, but I'm also not counting out Josh Dobbs. I, I really like this guy's demeanor. I liked him in college. I mean, I, I wrote for DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is why you should read my stuff on DK Pittsburgh Sports if you're not. But I wrote in Carter's classroom years ago, um, before the draft. I said Josh Dobbs would be the perfect value for the Steelers because he's charismatic. He had a cannon of an arm. He's athletics in in the pocket, and he would he wouldn't cost more than a fifth round pick. He cost him a fifth round pick. Uh, or was it a fourth? I think it was a fourth. Yeah, it was a fourth. But still, that you know that that's a that's a solid price to get a guy that you're thinking might be a backup quarterback or you know a, you know flyer. And if he turns into a franchise quarterback, yay! If he doesn't, oh well. Uh, but uh, yeah, Josh Dobbs is a guy that I've been high on. I've liked his demeanor for quite some time. I think that he can be a starting cornerback quarterback in the NFL. He just needs a system around him that 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 helps him work um, and develop a, a little bit more. But uh, but but yeah. I think that Josh Dobbs is going to hold on to it for the beginning of camp, but I really want to see what Mason Rudolph does with this preseason. Does he make that step to show, hey, he's much more comfortable with the playbook? He has, he's he's much more comfortable, you know, staying in the pocket, making the right throws, and uh, then we'll then we'll see who's going to be the number two guy for the rest of the season. All right, here's my question: Who, if and when the Steelers are out in two wide receiver sets here? At the start of OTAs, who's the second wide receiver when they start? Is it Dante Moncrief? Is it James Washington? Juju's obviously going to be one of them. But who's that second guy? You've kind of got a log jam behind of Dante Moncrief, James Washington, Deontay Johnson, Eli Rogers, Ryan Switzer. Who's going to be that second guy that that steps up? I say James Washington. He's the most familiar with the playbook. I think he's going to be. Um, I think he's going to be the guy that they're like, "Hey, you've been here. Time to step up." They're going to give him the shot to 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 to, to prove himself because remember he's still a, you know he's still a second round pick just like Juju. Uh, I think that they're gonna they're gonna want to see him make that leap. They're excited to see him make that leap. So uh, so I'm putting my money on that guy at least starting out with the inside track to get the job. I also think he's going to be the guy that ends up being the number two receiver at the start of the season. Yeah, and you know the only question I have there, I agree with you, but I, I question. Uh, you know, the Steelers like to use veterans in that spot. They don't have a lot of veterans on this team because every wide receiver is so young, and so that's that's why I think Dante Moncrief may be given that number two receiver. I mean, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. We talk about him having to work out these rapport with his with his wide receiver, right? And it took him it took him a while to get on that same page with James Washington last year. In fact, it really took him till the end of the year. How long does it take between you know he and, and Dante Moncrief, and then he's also got to be working out he and and Deontay Johnson, and then, you know, again, he's still got to improve with James Washington. Something certainly to watch uh, early in OTAs. All right, Chris, what, what's another question you have going into OTAs? All right, who's who's going to be the OTA darling? 
the guy that everyone's going to be talking about and said, oh, man, he looks good. No, no. And, and the guy that, that a lot of local media guys are going to try and push and get people excited about because it's just football in shorts and none of this really matters until, you know, until the training camp comes and then you start seeing how they work um, and then you start seeing them in games. But who's going to be the guy that everyone's talking about and really excited about that people haven't really heard too much about? Oh, okay. I haven't heard too because I was going to say Devin Bush again because again, just his speed out there, I think is going to is going to wow people again. Yeah, but that's that's too easy. That's we, too we gotta, easy. Yeah, you're yeah, right. We got to give fans someone in the lower blocks to talk about. I'll, I'll go with Sutton Smith, the okay. the edge rusher from from Northern Illinois. Like another guy because that that speed's going to wow people. And I, the the problem with Sutton Smith is is not you know can he can he beat guys with a speed rush? Is it, can he can he get by a tackle? Uh, and, and certainly, if, if you know, if he gets caught, what happens to him then? Does he have a second move? And I don't think you're going to see that in OTAs. And I think that's a guy, especially at the edge rush position where the Steelers need someone to emerge. Um, I, I think he could be that player. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else on the team that, that kind of fits that uh, fits that bill. I mean, Sutton Smith's the one that comes to mind right away. W- what about you? What, what do you think? See, I'm leaning towards a position where People have are, are saying, oh, man, this position is wide open. And that, that's the safety position. Um, Ooh, okay. and, and, and I'm going to go with Drayvon Askew-Henry. This is a guy who I think that, one, he's from West Virginia. Uh, well, he went to West Virginia. He's from Aliquippa. So he, he, he already uh, attracts attention when it, when, it come, when it comes to that. But he's an undrafted guy. He's going to be competing with P.J. Locke for, that, for, for an extra safety spot. But I think that he's going to make some plays in some drills, and I think people are going to be like, "Ooh, I like that guy." And uh, you're you're going to see some excitement about him coming into camp, uh, and, and you'll be hearing people talk about it just because I think that I think he's going to be be able to make a couple of those plays. And you know, he's a lo- he's a local product, Western PA. People are really usually really excited about those types. But I think he's be, be, be the person that you'll hear the hardcore fans talking about uh, over the next few weeks. My okay, so another question I have is uh, the the this idea that Tomlin kind of floated at after the draft in that post draft press conference when he was asked about not taking a safety and what's the depth like at safety and he brought up the idea that hey you know listen Cam Sutton can play some safety Mike Hilton can play some safety and we've also heard that Brian Allen may be moving to safety this is a rumor that goes all the way back to last off season does does do any of those actually happen do we do we see Kim Sutton at safety. Do we see Mike Hilton at safety? Remember, we did see Mike Hilton at the end of practice last year at, at training camp. At times, he, you know, he would play a couple reps at safety. Is this just a is this just a safety valve? Pardon the pun, but is this just a safety valve for this team, or do they really believe that that some of these guys can make the transition to the safety position? I think they're going to give it a shot, and I think that I think that I think you're going to see Sutton play a little bit of safety this year, um, just because they're going to be looking at for that flexibility. Um, I don't think they want to rely on Marcus Allen. Um, I think that I think that he's going to be a guy that they keep around just in case something goes wrong. But Jordan Dangerfield is your is your top safety replacement, and they know that they're really shorthanded after that um, because they want guys that can pop in the slot, be be confident there. And I, I got to tell you, Marcus Allen didn't exactly exude that when he was on the field last year, and there wasn't a lot of confidence in in his play at this point. But uh, I, I think you're you're going to see at, at least Cam Sutton getting in there because they they really they recognize his ability to understand the defense and his knowledge of the game and I think they're going to try and maximize that somehow because they haven't really turned it in turned it into anything with him being a starter anywhere but that guy's hungry he wants the, he wants a job and I think that he he's going to get the the chance to show he's a jack of all trades so I, I do think you're going to see a little bit of that It'll be interesting. I'm, I'm especially interested, not to wish injury on anyone, but you know, you, we had the same question back in 2018, which was, 
if Sean Davis goes down with injury, who is there to replace him? I yeah. mean, la- last year you had Morgan Burnett. You even had Nat Burr. Uh, th- those players are gone now. And who is behind uh, Sean Davis that can play free safety? Do they move Edmonds to that position? He seems to be the best athlete there. Uh, but do you want to be moving around uh, Terrell Edmonds that early in his career, much like they, they did to Sean Davis? Um, I'm just not I mean, I guess it would have to be Jordan Dangerfield that comes in right away, right? If, if Sean Davis were to go down with an early injury? Yeah, Dangerfield's going to be the first guy. He's they, they're, he's familiar with the team. And I, I got to tell you, keeping up with, with Dangerfield, when I was watching, I've been watching the past two training camps pretty closely. Uh, Tomlin's been really pressing him about communication and, and improving being the guy, being a guy that can coordinate the secondary and keep everyone on the same page. Dangerfield's gotten a lot better about that, of, of talking to people, making sure that they're on the same page with him. And I think you're going to see – uh, I think they're 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 confident that he can be at least be a guy that they rely on in a pinch. Now they know that he can't be a guy that, they, that that's a regular starter, um, but I think that they're gonna like that about her. So about about him. So uh, definitely definitely Jordan Dangerfield. There's some there's a level of confidence there. Yeah, for sure. He's been around for a while, and like I said, he you know he could be. Uh, I, I should have wrote this down. Who's gonna be this year's L.J. Ford? I guess he didn't. L.J. Ford didn't really emerge until training camp. Uh, with that kind of one-handed interception. But, you know, I think Jordan Dangerfield could be this year's LJ Ford, right? as in a player who's kind of been around the system who just finally gets his chance to show uh, the, the kind of player he can be. And, and I think Dangerfield, well, will he have an LJ Ford-style impact? Eh, maybe not. I mean, Ford was pretty good last year. Uh, but Dangerfield could certainly be that player. What's another question you have going into training camp? All right. This one is my last question for you, Tony. Okay. What, what ridiculous ne- negative narrative Will the national media spin about the Steelers to create drama during mini camps? See, okay, it's, it's interesting you put it that way because I've always put it the other way. I've always said this team just finds a way to shoot itself in the foot when it comes to this to this drama, right? I mean, you know, they, yes, the media will spin some things, right? Like, well, let's go back to the last one, which I think was the Kevin Colbert thing was the last one, right? When he said, um, you know, he's got 53 kids out there, right? Um, my mm-hmm. question with, with Kevin Colbert in that instance was, why are you even feeling the need to go public with this in the first place? Right? I mean, yes, he kind of stepped on his words a little bit there, and he didn't, I don't think he meant the 53 kids thing. Uh, but, like, why, why are you going public with that? So I don't, it's hard for me to say what's, what's going to be the issue here. I mean, you know, we're going to get to hear from all the big names, right? The media is going to be at, I think, the first couple days of OTAs. And so everyone's going to be doing their, their media rounds. And, you know, you, you talked about earlier, right? Ben is going to have to be you know, given, a, given the kind of coach-speak answers. Tomlin, the same thing, right? Everything's going to be parsed here, especially early on, as this is going to be the first time the media really has direct access to a lot of the big names to get their thoughts on the A-B thing, especially Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and so anything he says that is, you know, outside of, you know, the coach-speak, that's definitely going to get, and, and we're going to talk about it here on Locked on Steelers, right? We're going to be parsing through a lot of that. Um, so it's got, I think it's got to be something that Ben says, right? That would be the, the, the easiest answer. I think that I think something that Ben says could could be. It. I mean, I mean, I mean, and you look at the situation right now. Heck, these videos of of Ben Roethlisberger, you know, on the you know with with his boat on the boat with with the the Steelers players and his his, his pass catchers. Um, you you know, Mike Florio, pro football talk. You know, writing it, writing immediately. Oh, Ben Roethlisberger's trying to repair his image, and people are like, well, no, he's been doing this for years. Um, so that's not about repairing his image. And uh, you know, I don't think that this summer is going to what what's happened this past off season 
is going to force Ben Roethlisberger to really repair his image, quote unquote, because I don't think his image has been damaged. I do think that he's been challenged in a sense that says, like, you know what, buddy, you're about to lose the best running back in football and the best wide receiver in football. And, you know, some people have questioned that they were more important to the Steelers than you were. Uh, so, you know, let, let, let's see. Let's see how important you've been. I think that's the the challenge to Ben Roethlisberger. But it's not about having to repair some image like Mike, like Mike Florio is suggesting. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that I, the littlest thing can get spun. And I mean, e- even Kevin Colbert, you, you know, yeah, you know. You know, when you when, when you're when you're kind of stepped back and you, and you hear that, that that statement about the 53 kids, you're kind of like, oh, man, that's, that's rough. But if, if you know who Kevin Colbert is, you know, this is a guy he, he's detached from how the media works, you know, and, and not to say that he doesn't understand the media, but he 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 does like he'll he'll say something like that because to him, that's not a big deal. And like if someone said that, like, you know, if someone made a lighter comment about him that that, that could seem insensitive, uh, I, I think that he would just kind of be like, whatever, it's a comment. Uh, th- this is a guy that doesn't I mean, he, he cares, but he's not he's not sensitive to those types of things. So, um, you know, I, I, I took the 53 kids comment as a as a man, like a man. I see how this can be how this looks bad but if i think if you've if you've listened to kevin colbert enough he, he's too much invested in football and how how the, the team is organized and how and in his own job to care about you know what people think is politically correct on, on you know on social media um and i think that that's that that that's going to be the bottom line with stuff like that is that those are the moments where i think they're going to people are going to try and twist something and, that, and that's what i mean about the national media spinning something is yeah. because that comment became became a, a whole thread and i mean even now you know people aren't buying into it because they're kind of getting tired of florio but you know he's he tried to make this whole ben roethlisberger taking the players out you know like he normally does into a thing uh and i think people are always going to try and make something the steelers do into a thing uh you know if if juju smith schuster you know doesn't pal around with uh with you know deontay johnson and you know Dante Moncrief is you know, are they, are, they, are they gonna try and say oh he's not he doesn't like these guys coming in on his territory you know I, you know, I can see something like that happen that's why I put the question out there because I do think there's going to be something that is tried uh, and it may not be be you know, it may not make be make big news because people are getting tired of these stories but I think someone's gonna try something to sort of stir up uh, you know a story within the Steelers locker room and not anyone local but I think like you know, Colin Coward. Uh, you know, you know, uh, Nick, not a Nick Wright. He he wouldn't. He doesn't really do that on the Steelers as much. Um, but a Mike Florio. Um, yeah, you know, but some, you know, someone maybe Skip Bayless, but but someone on the national scale that's not really in tune with the Steelers locker room that wants to wants to find a way to get a story. Yeah, and listen, Days of Our Steelers has been you know the the soap opera, the best soap opera in sports over the last couple of years, and. You know, what, is it going to return for the 2019 season? We're going to find out next week. Because you're right, uh, you know, whatever whatever this team does, it, it it gets fun in some kind of way. All right, Chris, my last question, and this this one I think is something we've you and I have talked about over the last month, really since they drafted Devin Bush. But it's it's going to be it's going to be exciting to actually get an answer to this once OTA start, and that is the inside linebacker rotation. You know, the Steelers signed Mark Barron to a two year, twelve million dollar deal, six million dollars a year. Then they go up and move up in the draft. And get Devin Bush at the with the tenth pick, trading away a second and third rounder to go get him. You know, so you, you got you got one inside linebacker making six million dollars a year. You don't really that's not really a rotational player just by salary. And but then you've also gone up and and traded away a second and a third round pick and got the tenth pick in the draft in Devin Bush. 
that's not really what you you, know, you give up for a for a player you think is going to be rotational to start. So what is what is the rotation at inside linebacker? How much do we see Mark Barron out there? How much do we see Devin Bush? In what cases? I know you and I have talked about the dime defense and Mark Barron fitting so well there, but uh, that that's my to me that is the biggest question I have going into camp. Where do we start? What is the starting line here? Is it Barron the starter? Bush the backup? Does Matikavich play a role at all here as the veteran at that position? Um, and kind of how does that evolve throughout OTAs into minicamp and then ultimately into training camp? I think you're going to see Barron get the initial start. I think they're going to let the veteran sort of uh, sort of, sort of hold, hold that and see how he does. But I also think you're eventually going to see um, – you're going to see Devin Bush get a lot of reps. I think he's immediately going to be ahead of Tyler Matikavich just because athletically they need, they need speed at the position. They need athleticism to move around. And uh, Matikavich just does not bring that. He's going to be that. The, Matikavich's best hope is to just continue to be the special teams ace that uh, that Danny Smith really likes and uh, execute in that fashion. And I think he does a good job at that. And Matikavich is is definitely a, a you know a, a, a gamer. He's a guy that works hard and does what he do he needs to do in those regards. He's just not the kind of athlete that you need to play inside linebacker in today's NFL um, uh, as a starter. So, yeah, I, I'm going to say Barron's going to get the start. I think you're going to see him use as a sort of extra box safety here and there. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be a guy that they employ to move around the field because of his knowledge of the game, because he's he's played safety in the past and he's a converted he converted into being a linebacker. Um, but I think you're going to see lots of Devin Bush. I think you're going to see, you know, I think you're going to see Devin Bush get on the field for about, I, I want to say, 50 to 60 percent of defensive snaps this year. Wow, yeah, that would be that would be awesome, I mean, especially for a rookie like that. And you know, I know a lot of the the uh, people writing out there, you know, Pro Football Focus, I believe, had Devin Bush as, as being a Rookie of the Year candidate. He's certainly been thrown out in that discussion, and it, I think it would take something like that, right, to get a majority of snaps in this defense to even be considered for an award like that. Uh, but that would be awesome for the tenth pick in the draft. Oh, you know, one thing we didn't talk about. I guess we should bring it up now as we're talking about Mark Barron, this linebacker group. Because uh, we didn't talk about rookie numbers, because, I, because ultimately, because I'm pretty happy with the numbers that were given out. And I know that they're all, you know, to this point, uh, it's 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 uh, subject to change. But Benny Snell got 24 because Mark Barron, who's a veteran, got to keep 26. Now I understand, you know, he's been he was a safety when he started his career, but now now he's on his third team. He's still a linebacker. He's not a safety anymore. And I think the, the Steelers should have should have moved him off. To a fifty in the fifties or in the nineties somewhere, says, so let, let Benny Snow get his twenty six, right?" <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I, yeah. I mean, Benny Snow. I mean, Mark Barron. You know, I think he's a guy. Just let him. He's a vet. He earned. He earned his number. Let him keep what he wants. Um, you know, Benny. But isn't it weird watching a linebacker wear twenty six? It's kind of strange. It, it is kind of strange, but that's one of the things about the NFL is that I think that they're a little too strict with the numbers. I kind of like the college numbers sometimes. You know, I I wouldn't have minded to see Devin Bush with ten at linebacker playing playing that position. I would I would have been okay with that. Um, I think there's sometimes I think it's a little much. Like you know, I think some of the the, the you know like like the receivers get a little a little happy with their numbers, but um, but I, I think I think that I'm okay with with some stretches and twenty six. I'm like you know what I, I can I can dig. I could dig uh, Mark Barron get you know keep keeping his number. Um, plus, I, I think the rook. If Benny Snell wants twenty six, he got to earn twenty six. Yeah. And, and and from all indication, this is a guy who's confident. This guy who's hungry, and maybe that's another level of motivation. He's like, hey man, I want to get my number. And Mark Barron's only around on a two year deal, and he may not even get to the second year um, if if they're really confident in Bush and uh, feel like he they they can move on without uh, Barron, and they want to clear cap space next year. So. Um, 
you know, maybe if he plays well enough, he gets the number next year or the year after that. Yeah, exactly. Running running backs in Pittsburgh go through that kind of year two transition, just body transformation, right? Le'Veon went through that. James Conner went through that. The the hope this year is that uh, Jalen Samuels can do that same thing and be a much better back going in his second year. Benny Snell, I think. Well, here's another thing I had about Benny Snell. Benny Snell is a is a is more of a power back than a speed back, right? Um, is 24 the right number to give to a you know to what is someone who's more going to be more power than speed? Didn't it feel like I felt like you know when you had yeah Justin Lane get 31 and Benny Snell got 24, and I thought, well, just flip those numbers, right? Great corners usually have numbers in the 20s. I know I read way too much into this, Chris. I know, but great great corners have numbers in the 20s. And, and power backs usually are, you know, in the 30s somewhere, right? So you flip Benny Snell with Justin Lane. Now Justin Lane's wearing 24. And I know that there's some Mike Taylor stuff there, but it's fine. Uh, and then you move Benny Snell to 31, <laughs> and we're, we're good, right? And we have the perfect rookie numbers. Am I wrong here? <laughs> I, 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 th- I think you, you're, you've been smoking the stuff. I think that um, I, I hope the federal government is not listening right now and tries to knock on your door. I think that you're you're going a little too far over the deep end, my friend. Um, <laughs> I, I I think players need to wear. I, I think players need to need to make their numbers known. But I mean, I I do get what you're saying. You know, when it comes to power backs, you know, they're you know you, you like you know Jerome Bettis was in the 30s. Yeah, Will Campbell was in the 30s. Um, you know, you know, I, th- I think I think oh, what was Christian Okoye's number now? I can't remember that one. Um, Might have been in the forties, or was it thirty-four? I think he was. I think he was in the thirties as well. So I mean, yeah, yeah. there's a, uh, you know, there, there there's no, there's numbers to that. Um, a lot of people have brought up Marshawn Lynch as being a great. You know, he was he was twenty-four and he was true. a great power back. So yeah, yeah, he goes against my whole case here. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think. It's like it's like do guys fit that? But again. Tony, that, that's not a thing. You know, that's just- it is a thing. Look, look good, play good, right? Look good. First, you got to look good. And by looking good, I mean the num- well, they got great jerseys in Pittsburgh, right? Now they got to get great numbers and then they play well. But listen, I, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, a guy like Terrell Edmonds, he's got to have a number change at some point in his career. If he's going to be a great safety in Pittsburgh, you know, he's got, he's got, a, he's got, I don't want to say flip the numbers because 43 is kind of off limits at this point. Yeah, uh, you, no one's ever not a safety to 43 number. in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, Chris, that'll do it for us today. We ran a little over time here. Uh, Chris, let people know where they can find your work. As always, you can find me at Carter Critiques on Twitter, where I answer I answer DMs. You can at me. We can have a good conversation. I'm always tweeting there to, uh, to get out to get out some good jokes on football, but also tweeting out the information. You find me as the, uh, the lead NFL analyst for DKPittsburghSports.com, where right now you can try us out for 99 cents for a trial month. Try us out, and if you like it, stick with us. If not, we thank you for trying us out. But you get all the insights. We got beat writers on the Steelers, the Pirates, and the Penguins, all the Pittsburgh news that you can want. Dale Lolly covering the Steelers. 24-7. I'm bringing you the, the, the film analytics in Carter's classroom and we always got our, our morning Java shows as well as our association with the local NBC station WPXI in Pittsburgh. You can find me on Twitter at Steeler Country and Chris and I will be back on Tuesday of next week to talk about OTAs right here on Locked on Steelers.